0: You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, happy Easter and good morning. You guys doing good today? Awesome. My name is Trent Stewart. If you don't know, I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, man, I've been excited and, and just couldn't wait to get here to talk to you guys today this morning. Um, have you guys ever received a phone call and it, it was an unknown number? that ever happened to you? I'm sure it does, it happens to all of us. It's like that unknown number flashes up on the screen and you're just like, man, should I take this call or should I ignore this call, send it to voicemail? And there's just something intriguing that kinda happens in that moment, you're thinking, this could be really bad news, right? It could be like a spam telemarketer that wants to ruin you know, the next few minutes of your life. Some of you are super nice and you can't hang up on the telemarketers. How many of you would say I'm super nice and I just can't do it? Anybody? No nice people in here. Awesome. <laughs> Everybody else that hangs up immediately, that's okay, that's good. Yeah, so you know, I'm, I got this phone call this past week, no lie. From It said from Walla Walla, Washington. Like, I know nobody in Washington, and I definitely didn't even know Walla Walla was even a place. <laughs> and and so the phone call is there, and I'm thinking, should I ignore this? Should I send this to voicemail, or should I, you know, uh, just uh, take it? And And I think that battle kind of happens a lot of times because we're thinking this is just going to be bad news. Some of you come to church today, and you're kind of looking at me right now kind of like that unknown phone number that comes up on your screen. You're like should I just send this dude to voicemail? <laughs> should I just ignore this call? Because a lot of times we think we're gonna come to church and this guy is gonna just, you know, back up this truckload of guilt, talk about how bad you're living, how mad God is at you, and how bad everything in your life really truly is. You know, you think sometimes when you come to church that you know you're gonna hear a message that's just kind of filled With bad news. And so what I want to encourage you to do today is dial in with me. Like, don't don't send me to voicemail yet. Because what, what I want to share with you is actually good news. But when you kind of look around and listen to what the world has to share with us, I mean, isn't it true that most of the stuff the world is telling us is bad news? I mean, just listen to the news today, pull up Twitter, look at your Twitter feed, there are more churches burning, someone else got shot. Um, global warming is happening and walruses are dying somewhere. It's like everywhere you look, there's bad news. And and so for, for us in this moment today, what I want you to do is, is don't hit the ignore button. Because what I want to share with you today is like the greatest news you have ever heard in your entire life. You see, Jesus Christ came to this world to give us good news. That's what the gospel Is The gospel, in fact, the word gospel literally means good news. And that's what I actually want to share with you today. And for some of you, you're going to want to make a decision today after you hear this message. You're going to want to give your life to Jesus because something's going to click. Maybe you've heard it before, but maybe today you're going to hear it in a way that maybe you haven't heard before. And and for whatever reasons, today is the day that you're going to give your life to Jesus. And I'm actually going to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus and to get baptized today. Literally, all over this room, people who came to church thinking you're going to hear bad news, how much God is mad at you. You're not going to hit the ignore button, you're going to listen. And God is actually going to speak to you. He's going to, he, you're going to actually make a decision that's going to change your life for the good forever. See, what we're doing today as we celebrate Easter is we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. 2019 years ago, Jesus split time into A.D. and B.C. Because the resurrection is the greatest single event that has ever happened in the history of the world. And as we dial in on this message today, we're going to give you not only the opportunity to give your life to Christ, we're actually going to give you an opportunity to be baptized as well today. And so we've got these nice pools that are outside. The smoky mountains are in the background. The sun is out. There's not a better opportunity and day for you to make a decision that will change your life and follow Jesus by being baptized than right here, right now at Foothills Church. So let's start for a minute with a statement that I know you've probably heard before, but it, was, but it was written down from one of Jesus's best friends. One of his best friends was a guy by the name of John. And he wrote down a lot of things that Jesus said. We call it the gospel according to John. And in John chapter three, verse 16, it says this, "'For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, "'and that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Believe in him, that's Jesus, and have eternal life, that's heaven. Let me start with a question today. If I were to ask you, are you going to heaven? What would you say? Think about that for a minute. Are you going to go to heaven? Pew Research is actually an organization that does a lot of research in our country. And they did a a project and found that 72% of Americans believe in heaven. Now, here's the interesting thing. Just believing that there is a heaven and actually knowing how to get there are two very different things. In fact, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. What's he actually saying there? Well, what he's saying is that you can't tell a true believer by their words. Just because they say they're a Christian doesn't necessarily mean they are a Christian. It doesn't mean that they have committed their life to Jesus. You've all met people like this. They say one thing, they say they believe something, but then their life shows a completely different picture, I'll just be honest with you, that was me for many years. Like I said, I believed in Jesus, but I was telling the world a completely different story by my behavior. What Jesus is saying here is you can't just look at what people say, you can't just look at what people think or how people even feel. You've got to actually look at what they do and see what they really believe. Because here's the reality your behavior reveals your beliefs. You can say you believe all day long, but your behavior is actually going to tell everybody around you what you really believe. Uh, when my son was three or four years old i can't quite remember how old he was we were trying to teach him to jump off the diving board into the into the pool and so as a dad, I wanted my son to take this leap to take this jump and we're encouraging him to, to jump off the diving board. Now, this isn't like the high dive like it used to be back in the day, like when we were doing it. They got rid of all those. It's too unsafe, right? So you can't do that anymore. Uh, poor little Johnny might hurt himself. But anyway, <laughs> this is in a backyard pool and uh, just a normal-sized diving board. And I'm in the water. I'm on this float, and I'm like, Bryson, just jump into Dad. He's like, oh, he's on the edge, and you know, to a little three- or four-year-old. That looks, you know, it's probably a couple feet, but to him it feels like 100 feet, you know? And I'm like, jump in, Bryson. I'm right here. Dad's going to catch you. And he's like, I can't, Daddy, I'm too skilled, you know, too skilled. And I'm like, you can do it, son. You can trust me. You're going to jump in, and I'm going to catch you. I'm not even going to let your head go under the water. Do you trust me, son? I trust you, Daddy. Well, then jump. I'm too skilled, Daddy. And like, it seemed like hours, all of his cousins were kind of putting peer pressure on him. And then finally, I'm there and I'm like, come on, son, you can trust dad, jump into dad. And he took that leap and he jumped in and he kicked me right in the nose. And (laughs) man, it hurt, but he did it. I mean, here's, here's the reality. He can say that he believes in dad all day long, but it's not until he jumps off the diving board into his father's arms that he truly believes. Now some of you are here today and you've never taken that jump to follow Jesus. You've said you believe in a God. You've said that you believe in a heaven. But you have never given Jesus authority of your life. You've never, you've never trusted him for your salvation and you've never been baptized. And so as your friend this Easter, I want to help you settle this issue it's, it's got some huge implications. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's go to another statement from the Gospel of John in chapter 11. Jesus makes this statement. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Now, this is... Kind of a confusing statement, isn't it? I mean, Jesus is saying, "I am the life." Here, I'm the resurrection. I give life. Whoever believes in me, you're gonna die, but you're gonna live. That's like what? What? What did you? I'm, am I gonna lie, or am I gonna live, or am I am I gonna die? And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. I mean, when I read this, I, I see the word die. And I know immediately I'm thinking, like, why do we even have to die? Why is there death? And I think that's the question that many people might be asking today. Like, why do we have to even die? I mean, death is so final. I know those of you that are partners here, you've been here, you know kind of my story this year. But maybe you're new and you haven't kind of heard from my perspective. And so, you know, the last uh, I think it was 11 months ago now, um, my mother passed away from from cancer. And uh, it was one of, it was the most devastating thing that's ever happened. We were, not only me, but my whole family was super close to my mom. And uh, just four weeks ago, we lost my sister. She was only 52 years old to a very similar um, thing. And so I know for me, it's been extremely confusing. I've been mad at God. I've been frustrated. Um, I've, I've asked a lot of questions. God hasn't given me a lot of answers and uh, it's, it's just been one of those years where I just feel like the, the life has just been beating the stuffing out of me. And I know some of you are here today and, and maybe you've lost somebody close to you. You kind of know how it feels to go through that loss and to experience that, that pain. Maybe it wasn't death. Maybe it was the loss of a relationship in your life. Or maybe there was just some, some whatever um, abuse or tur- turmoil that you've experienced in your past, and so we come to a verse like that, and we're, and and we see death that connects us to pain and suffering, and we're like, why is that even happening? And and what I want you to know today is that Jesus understands what you're going through today. He understands your suffering. He understands our questions. You might be thinking, you're a pastor, man. You're not supposed to be mad at God, (laughs) but here's the reality. Like, God's not, he's not intimidated by my anger. He's not intimidated by my questions. Like he knows exactly what I'm going through, just like he knows exactly what you're going through today. And the cross of Jesus Christ, it shows us that he knows what it's like to suffer. He took upon himself on the cross all of our sin, all of our failures, and all of our suffering. And you and I, I know, we have a lot of questions when it comes to death, when it comes to cancer, when it comes to past pain. Why, why do we have to experience this suffering. And Jesus says, listen, even though he die, yet shall he live. Jesus is saying that every single one of us are going to face death because of sin. See, in the Garden of Eden, when God created this perfect world, it was a perfect relationship between Adam and Eve, a perfect relationship between them and God. And then when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. And with it, pain and suffering entered the world. And so as a result of sin, you and I face pain, suffering, and yes, even death. But what Jesus is saying is, we're all going to face this death. But he says, even though this is reality for you, he has given us a way to connect to God. Here's what the scripture says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin, in other words, the payment that we have to pay because of our sin, is death. So each and every one of us are going to actually face death. But the free gift of God, in other words, you can't earn it, is eternal life. It's only found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You see, every single one of us are going to experience death, but Paul says the gift of God is eternal life. That's heaven. We have the opportunity to experience that, but we only experience that through Jesus. So this means that when we die, it doesn't just all end. Death is actually the beginning of something brand new. And for me and what I've experienced, that's given me some hope this year. And for some of you, we need to kind of dial in on that fact. God created you to live forever somewhere. He created you to live for eternity. And when we look at the scriptures, it says that there's two places that we will live forever. We die from this world, and we will either live with God in heaven for all eternity, or we'll live apart from God, facing his wrath in a place called hell. So the question is, Okay, we're going to face death because that's the payment because of my sin. But then after that, because God has created me to live forever somewhere, where will I live? God wants you to wrestle with that question today. And the question that I want you to begin to answer is where will that place actually be? You see what Paul is saying, what John is saying, what Jesus himself is even saying that it, is that this, that like, even though... You and I are going to face death. You and I can find life in Jesus. In fact, I would argue that there is no life outside of Jesus. You can't live a fulfilled life in this world without Jesus. And you're definitely not going to experience life after death apart from Jesus. But the good news for you and I today is that because Jesus is life, if you're taking notes, you and I can experience life. Because Jesus is no longer dead, he has resurrected. The grave is empty. He is life. Therefore, you and I can experience life when we are connected to him. Some of you are alive today, like your heart is beating, but if you were honest, you're not really experiencing life. Like you got a job, you've got some kids, you're married, but it just kind of feels like you're in this, you know, treadmill of life and there's no real significance or meaning in your life. And you're just like, is this it? Like is this is this why I got married and why I've got kids? I mean, what is happening, right? Now, some of you are kind of in that state. Secular psychologists talk about the idea of transcendence and And this idea of transcendence, they say, is this inner desire in every single human being that wants to reach this highest fulfilled heart. So inside of each of us, we have this desire and we all are seeking for this idea of a completely fulfilled heart. But when you read the scriptures, you see that God actually is the one that created that desire in the first place. And because he created that desire, he is the only thing that can actually satisfy that desire. But listen, we try to fill it in all kinds of dis- different ways, don't we? We could go around the room today and we could talk about how each of us have tried to experience significance in a fulfilled heart, a fulfilled life with money, with, with success, with relationships, and, 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 and anything in between that would make us feel good about ourselves. But if you were honest today, you would say, you know what? Uh, the world has nothing really that satisfies that. Listen, you, could, you can go out to the world and you can try everything the world has to offer to try to experience fulfillment, but I promise you, you will be back to the gospel because it is the only thing that will actually bring fulfillment in your heart because you can't be free until you know God. And maybe that's why some of you are actually here today. Let's look at another verse in Ephesians chapter 2. I love this Bible says, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. So we see this word grace and that's the unmerited favor of God. We cannot earn salvation. I hear this all the time, like, are you going to go to heaven? Well, I'm just trying to live a good life, and just hopefully, you know, at the end of the day, when I die, God's going to just, you know, he's going to say, man, good effort. You know, give me a good game slap on the, on the butt." And Hey, man, wait, good try. Like, that doesn't cut it when we look at the scripture. You see, it is by grace which means there's nothing that you can do. There's not a good life that you can live. There's not a good act of kindness that you can do that would earn that salvation. It is truly an act of his grace. And when we receive him by grace, he makes us come alive. That's how we experience life. When we are bonded and united with Christ. And this phrase here, before Christ, we are dead in our trespasses. Man, that kind of hits us between the eyes when you think about it. Because it's not like, you know, it's, it's not like you're just not a perfect person. People are, always admit this, right? I'm not a perfect person, but I'm not, at least like I'm not like my neighbor. You should see what he does, right? You know, that's an easy one to pull, right, to look at other people and compare ourselves. But, but God says, apart from Christ, you and I are dead in our trespasses. And so if we want to experience life, if we want to come alive, we have to be united with Christ, And when you are united by faith, surrendering your life to Jesus to follow him, then your marriage comes alive. Then your relationships come alive. Then you come alive. Your purpose comes alive. But it only happens in a relationship with Jesus. There's nothing that's going to fill that emptiness until you realize that you were made by God. You were made for God, and he wants you to experience this true life. The second thing that we learn because Jesus is life is that we can experience forgiveness. Because he rose from the grave, you and I can actually experience forgiveness from our sins. This is great news because we were dead in our trespasses. Right? We were our, our relationship with God was ruined. We could not go to heaven because God cannot allow sin into heaven. But here's what Ephesians 1:7 says, "In him, in Jesus, We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. We're dead in our trespasses. And now because Jesus died, he is offering us forgiveness from those sins according to the riches of, here it is again, his grace. Now, the word redemption is kind of a word that we don't often use, you know. So let me try to explain it uh, like this. There used to be a a TV show show called Extreme Couponing. I don't know if you watch this, uh, but I didn't watch it. I just read about it. And um, so they would spend days upon days collecting hundreds of coupons, right? They, They didn't have a life. They were, their life was collecting coupons. And then they would go to, I don't mean to offend you if this is you, but they would go to the grocery store with these hundreds of coupons. And then they would, they would spend hours getting all these products, and then they would you know, come up to the cash register and the person behind the cash register would roll their eyes and pray to Jesus, right? Because this is gonna be annoying. And so they scan all of these products and then they give hundreds of coupons and they have three over 300 and something dollars worth of product and they end up spending like five bucks. So it's like amazing, right? Um, I say that because when you think about redemption, to redeem something means that you trade it in, you redeem it, and you buy something back. So if you're gonna to go to Kroger and buy whatever, you're going to have the coupon, you redeem the coupon to buy back the product. And so when it comes to redemption, the Bible is saying that Jesus offers you and I redemption. Your sin separated you from God. You were facing God's wrath. You would soon face death and hell, but through the cross of Jesus, he redeems you. He trades in his death And offers you life and redemption and forgiveness. And he reconciles you to your creator, God. We find redemption and forgiveness in the death of Jesus Christ. So when you place your faith in that death, when you place your faith and trust that his death took your place and that he rose from the grave... Jesus is in redeeming you and rescuing you and buying you back to a right relationship with God. Now, oftentimes when I talk about rescuing, people push back a little bit. And some of you might be pushing back. You're like, hey, rescue is a, I mean, that's a harsh word. I mean, I wouldn't say I need to be rescued. I'm not perfect, right? We kind of go back to the, I'm not as bad as that guy mentality. But when we read the scripture, it says that we are enemies of God before Christ, that we are dead. And so we need to come alive. And the only way that we come alive is through forgiveness of our sin and and meeting Jesus. And and so when we think about this, we want to understand all of these things that have happened in our life. I mean, think about it. If I gave you a piece of paper today and a pen and I said, hey, take a few minutes, everybody around the room, and let's jot down a few of the regrets that we have. (laughs) That'd be a fun experience, wouldn't it? Like shoot me in the face. But hey, we could all do that really quickly, couldn't we? And you know why? Why? because every single one of us have regrets. And the reason why we have regrets is because we have sin. We've made mistakes. We've sinned against God. We've sinned against our spouse. We've sinned against our kids. We've sinned. And so we need that forgiveness. We need that restoration. We need that redemption. And the beauty of the gospel, the incredible news that we find in the Bible is that God made a way for our sins to be forgiven and our relationship with him to be restored. And that's why Jesus dies the death of crucifixion. Probably the most brutal, torturous form of corporal punishment in the history of the world. Jesus could have gone at any moment, Jason Bourne on him, and like beat everybody up and escaped, right? He could have done that. For those older in the crowd, he could have gone Chuck Norris on everybody <laughs> and escaped. I don't want to leave anybody else out. He could have gone John Wayne on him. And so everybody kind of feels the weight of that, right? He could have done that, but he willingly went to the cross. He willingly wanted to die for you. The Bible says that he spoke not a word unto them as he was dying. They say, okay, you're a king. So they formed a crown of thorns and they crushed it down upon his skull. And then the Bible says that they scourged him. That's a form of, of, of beating you with a whip. And it wasn't just a, a normal whip. It was a whip that had nine links of like strands of leather. And at the end of the leather would have been rocks, glass, sharp objects. So that when you got whipped with a scourge, it literally ripped off the flesh. Jesus got 40 lashes before they then forced him to carry his cross to the place of the skull. It's where we get the Latin word Calvary. I've been to Jerusalem and I've seen this where they believe Jesus was crucified and it's this hill and it's got this huge rock face and when you step back and look at the entire rock face, you can see the outline and the image of a skull. It's pretty intimidating and it's there that they believe that Jesus' hands and feet were nailed to the cross and right before he died, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't even understand what they are doing into your hands. I commit my spirit And he died and the reason why he dies is to offer you and I forgiveness He wanted to offer you redemption and you can experience that today Finally because Jesus's life you and I can know that we can experience heaven This is a great truth. You can know that you can experience heaven because he is alive today. And the reason why he dies and the reason why he is raised from the grave is so that we can overcome our sin and we can experience heaven with him. Let's go back to our verse that we started with here in John 11. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. In other words, I'm the only way that you're going to experience life. Real Enjoyment and fulfillment in this life and real life in the hereafter. Whoever believes in me, that is Jesus, though he die, we know, we just talked about it, we're all gonna face death, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. He's talking about the second death. We will face death in this world, but we won't face the second death if we believe in him. Now, this is the question, isn't it? Do you believe this? That's the question. Do you believe this? After Jesus dies, they take his body down and they bury him in a tomb. They didn't didn't bury people under the ground like we do. They still don't do that. In fact, they bury people in stone coffins and sit them on top of the ground. And and in Jesus' time, they they would have kind of dug out some um, rock and made a cave. And that's kind of the, the idea of where they would have buried Jesus They put him in that tomb, and on the third day of his, he was dead, right? They saw him die. They put him, his body, in the tomb. On the third day, the, the women go on that Sunday morning to treat his body with various spices that they often did as custom. And when they went there, they saw an angel dressed in brilliant white, and the angel said to them, you are, seek. why are you seeking the living among the dead. He is not here. He has risen just as he said he was going to do. And later, all the disciples saw him. The disciples are are the guys that were, were really tight with Jesus, all of his close friends. And they saw him die. They saw him get buried. And now they have seen him real body not like a ghost floating around, like a real bodily resurrection. The Bible says that they ate with him. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 that over 500 people saw the risen Jesus. And after this resurrection happened, I mean, they were, the disciples were completely different. Look, when, when he died, they were all depressed. They were all scared. They were hiding from the authorities. They were afraid. Peter, one of his dearest, closest friends, even denied that he even knew Jesus three different times. But listen, when Jesus rose from the grave and they experienced this resurrected Jesus, they were completely different. They overcame that fear. They overcame the the emptiness inside of them. They found purpose and life in Jesus. And the scripture tells us that they began to transform the world with this message. It's why we're here today. And the reality is this message can be true for you today. Just like the disciples came alive, just like I came alive one day many years ago, you can in fact come alive today because Jesus is life because he's life you can have life you can have forgiveness and you can know that heaven is your home I mean think about it you can be certain of that you don't have to walk around thinking oh am I going to go I don't know if I'm going to go I might go I thought I was yesterday but I don't know now like you can know that heaven is your home so let me let me ask you one last personal question are you certain heaven is your home are you certain heaven is your home I love what the Bible says in Romans 10, 9. It makes it very clear. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So confess, that means you are confessing your sin. You are confessing that he is the Lord. That means that he's in control of your life. You're, you're going to live your life for him. And believing with your heart. Why, why heart? Well, the heart represents everything that you believe, everything that you desire. That's like the deep-seated emotions of who you are. And so we believe out of our heart that he was raised from the dead. And he says, then you'll be saved. You know, when I accepted Christ many years ago, I never dreamed that I would be a pastor. Like, not on my radar. Didn't, didn't want that. Never dreamed that I would plant a church in Maryville, Tennessee. Um, I was kind of thinking people needed Jesus in Hawaii. You know, it's kind of a nice... But I can tell you, there's not another place in the world I'd rather be than right here. I love this area. I love this church. I love being a pastor. I love doing what I do. And people talk about our church and say, man, the church has grown over the last 10 years. We just celebrate our 10-year anniversary. And um, people think, ask me all the time, do you, did you expect to see this? And on one level, man, it's been amazing, so no, you know, don't, you don't really, you know, you, you hope, but you don't expect. And then on the other side, it's like, of course I expected this. Because Jesus promised that if, if we were to go and tell, we were to come to this city, that he told us, I'm going to connect you with people that need to hear the gospel. And so today is really a fulfillment of what, of what we believed and prayed for over 10 years ago. Like, This place, the reason why we built this place is because we were praying that you would be here. Ten years ago, and for the last ten years, I've been praying for every single one of you. I don't know every single person in this room, but we prayed that God would send you here because I believe wholeheartedly that you are not here by accident, that God loves you, He has a plan for you, and He brought you right here, right now, to hear this message and you have an opportunity today. You have an opportunity to get to know him, to be made brand new. And what's happening right now to many of you is that you're feeling this this drawing to God and there's this drawing to him and you don't quite know what that is. And let me tell you what that is. That's that's the Holy Spirit of God. He's drawing you in. Some of you are kind of in this mindset right now. You're like, I think he keeps looking at me. Is he looking at me? Like, I'm not looking at any one person. Like, that's sometimes how the Lord works. Some of you are thinking, like, I'm feeling this draw to God. I feel like I'm the only one in the room sometimes is how people explain it. See, that's how God sometimes works. And as he's drawing you to himself, here's what's happening in the back of, of some of your minds. You're going to start hearing some thoughts come up they are like, you know what? You just need to get over this bad behavior. You got to get over this one thing and then you can get your life straight. Don't do anything rash today. Just go home, get over this, and then you can come back. Just become more religious. What you've done is too bad. There's too many people here and you don't, you know, you don't want them to think that those are all lies. Here's, here's what I know. I know that people try to overcome bad behavior in an attempt to then feel like they can fit in at church. It, it just doesn't happen that way. Never seen it happen that way. It can't happen that way. We first come to Jesus just as we are. Every sin, every mistake, every hang up. And we say, just as I am right now, I, I am trusting you and, and then after that, he gives us the power to begin to overcome whatever behavior. It does not happen the other way. And I can just tell you right now, if you're thinking, I gotta change stuff before I fit in with this church, look, if you get changed and get perfect and try to come to this church, you're not gonna fit in because we're just a bunch of screw-ups. <laughs> so don't, don't try to do that, because then you won't. In this moment, I wonder if there's some folks in the room who are like, you know what? I feel like this is where I'm at. I feel like this, this is the moment that I need to give my life to Jesus. I can, I can kind of sense it. And so right now, I just want to ask that everybody just stay seated and just out of respect for what we believe the Spirit of God is doing in this room, let's just kind of just go into a moment of prayer. Would you guys just bow your heads? I just wonder, there's some in the room right now that would say, hey, you know what? I, I think that's actually me, Trent, the, the guy you're talking about. I can sense it. I think that's where I'm at. I don't want to live this life of sin any longer. I wanna turn from my sin by faith. I wanna surrender my life to Jesus today. How many of you would say by a show of hands, that is me, Trent, that's that's what I desire? Anybody just wanna lift up their hand high and just say, yeah, Trent, that's me? Anybody at all? Just lift it up high all over the room. I see you, ma'am, praise God. Anybody else in the room, just lift it up high so I can see you. Ma'am, I see you to my far left, young man. Praise God way up in the balcony. Praise God for you. Over here on my right, I see you, ma'am. Praise God. Anyone else? That's me. That's me. I see you. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. I'm going I'm to lead you in a prayer. And you just make this prayer your prayer. This is your first conversation with God. I believe that through this, God can save you, will save you, transform you you make this prayer your prayer and you just simply tell God this, God I believe that Jesus is your son I confess that I am a sinner and I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins forgive me of my sins come into my life and save me right now today I follow you Give me life. I receive your forgiveness. And I praise you that heaven is my home. In the stillness of this room, if you prayed that prayer today, I want to encourage you to look up here right at me right now. Anybody at all. Just look right up here at me. Did you mean that, man? Praise God. Stay looking at me. Ma'am, in the back, I see you. Anyone else looking up here at me? I know I saw some. Ma'am, I see you. Praise God. Anyone else looking at me? Just wave your hand if I can see you. I see you guys way in the back. Praise God. Here's what I want to encourage you guys to do. When we read the New Testament, Jesus says to, to go and make disciples, teach them, and baptize them. And so what baptism is, it's simply a symbol, an outward symbol of an inward decision. So that when I went under the water... It's a symbol of the old Trent dying. I'm buried with Christ. And then coming up out of the water, it's the symbol that I have been made brand new. It's a symbol of the resurrection of Christ. Jesus himself was baptized. And he tells us to be baptized when we put our faith in him. And so in just a minute, I'm going to pray. And I'm then going to ask everyone to stand to their feet. And if everyone would just look at me, as we all stand, I'm gonna encourage those who just prayed that prayer and desire baptism to get up out of their seat and head to my right, your left. Pastor Todd, Pastor Landon are waving their hands right there. And they're gonna provide everything that you guys need. Clothes, we're gonna high five you. The water's warm, it's a beautiful setting. I mean, there's nothing really that's preventing you. Some of you might say, man, I was sprinkled as a kid or I was baptized when I was four years old. Scripture teaches us that baptism comes after that confession and belief, right? And so anything that would happen on the opposite side of, of confessing and believing w- was not symbolic of the change that we see Jesus explaining in the New Testament. And so maybe that's, that's some of you. You're like, oh man, well, man, I can't, came to faith in college, you know, and I haven't been baptized since then, and, and, and today's your opportunity as well. I'm going to pray for us. We'll stand And we'll praise God for those who are about to make decisions. Father God, again, we are in awe of your work and your presence. We're in awe of your grace. And we praise you for the empty tomb. We praise you for the cross. That you offer us life. That you offer us forgiveness. And that you offer us the hope of heaven for eternity. And I am praying right now over this room, Lord, Those who made that decision will come forward. And Lord, we will encourage and and, and help and bless them. And Lord, we are thankful for them. And we want to pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, church, can we just give a round of applause to those decisions? Let's stand to our feet. Those that made decisions can move in that direction. We're going to get you everything that you need as you are making your way. We see several. Hey, praise God. Praise God. Let's. That's awesome. That's awesome. Let's sing and worship him today. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.